announcements 101 you should not do, but I'm going to try to do this. So if I offend anyone or leave someone out, I just ask you your forgiveness or whatever. But there's something in my heart that's really, I'm really rejoicing in today. And, and that is to see our young people, you know, that are here. So many young people, I know you say, well, mom and dad pushed me a little bit. But you know something? There's something special about what you're doing today and how, how you're going in your faith. Well, just nothing but help you as you get older and older. So I thank your parents for encouraging you to come. That is really super. And even come when mom and dad aren't here. And you know who I'm talking about. God bless you guys. Go Eagles. You know, and, and it is really, that really is really super. One thing I, before we start, I want to, I don't want to build you guys up too much. You know, we can't have heads so big they're exploding, get through the door. But Jan said something yesterday that really, and we both affirmed and about this church. Are we a perfect church? No. We're not. Do we need to grow? Yes, we do. But let's really talk about realities. Jan said something yesterday. Now, we've done this a long time. And we've had a lot of experience in different situations. And I, so I'd love to hear feedback when there's been like a retreat or whatever the case might be. And Jan, Jan said, what was her coach? She said, you know what? She's, it, was, it was like uh, speaking to the choir. She said, our people are so astute and love their Lord so much and how refreshing it was to know that, hey, we're all in the same boat. She said, I can't teach them. They teach me. And, and I just want to say that that is a wonderful thing. Praise God for that. But it's also a challenging thing as well because it's almost like you saying, okay, let's see. Is he going to make a mistake here or make a mistake there? No, but it's good. It's refreshing because that's the whole purpose for us to grow in our faith, isn't it? And so God bless you guys, and, and it's a pleasure to bring the word to you because I know you love your Lord, and that is what it's all about. Amen and amen. A man watched in amazement as a dog was sitting at a table playing poker with three men. And he asked, he said, can that dog really play cards? And one of the men said, well, yes, but he's not very good. Whenever he gets a good hand, he wags his tail. <laughs> That's a good one, isn't it? I give that one a, I give that one a, an A. You know, do you find it hard to hide your feelings concerning your faith commitment? So we're going to be talking about effort and faith. You know, today, um, I find it interesting in preparing messages because. Sometimes I love the way God leads. Sometimes it could be a text. It could be like six or seven scriptures, and you're going from, you know, one verse to another to another, whatever. And then sometimes he says, let's do it in little phrases. Let's do a passage and just kind of do little blocks of phrases because there's so many nuggets. Isn't it true for all of us who have been in the Word for so long? You can read one passage and maybe read that same passage the next week, and you get a whole different, the Spirit moves you in a whole different direction. Amen? And, and so, what I'm, I guess I'm setting you up. We're going to be basically be dealing with Colossians. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, uh, uh, in particular, and uh, in about three or four verses there. 
And but we're going to be coming back and revisiting, especially verse 23, again and again and again, because I believe God has something there for us that we can really apply and take it with us. But I want to first start with Second Peter 1, 5 uh, through, uh, through 7. For this very reason, Peter said, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. Peter begins with, in my translation, for this reason, emphasizing it's not enough to be born again. It takes effort to grow in God-like characteristics. And Peter mentions some of them, doesn't he? He talks about goodness. He talks about knowledge. He talks about perseverance. He talks about self-control. He talks about, he talks about love. It takes a lot of effort to grow in the faith. It takes a lot of effort or diligence, whatever word you want to put in, to grow in the faith. It takes a lot of effort to be a good employee. It takes a lot of effort to be a good employer. Hear what I'm saying? You know, and what is it? We, we, we encourage our kids or whatever to put, when you work, to put effort into it. And I love it when, like a leader of, uh, I'm thinking of uh, back in the days when, 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 when Princeton, Illinois, I was friends with one of the teachers there, and every summer, he and another te- fellow teacher, they had a little business. They had a roofing business. So they would hire you know, most of the uh, older high school kids and, and, the, and the college ones to do the roofing for them. And, and uh, Gary Coates, the late Gary Coates, just a great man, used to say to the kids, we're burning daylight. You know, let's get going. You know, we're wasting time to try to encourage people. You know, trying to encourage his kids. Hey, put in the effort because it's going to be worth it in the long haul. Amen. So I'm going to go to verse 5 here. It's still in Peter. It says, make every effort to add to your faith. Now, we went from effort in the secular to effort adding to your faith. How can we expect to grow in the faith if we don't make the effort? Now I am speaking probably to the choir here because you know what I'm talking about. It takes effort to grow in the faith. It needs to be, it takes effort to be into the Word of God, to share it with others. It, that takes time, and it takes effort. I became a Christian uh, back in the 70s. I know, Chris, you're thinking, wow, 70s? Yeah, gee. I thought it was probably the 90s. He looked so young. In, in the 70s. And I remember when in Jan, we basically, we we uh, came to the faith about the same time. And from that moment on, God has led us, and I'm not saying we make a boatload of mistakes. We all do. But for us, it was always about growing in the faith. We made a habit, not a habit, of God really laid on our hearts to, with our children, that every night we had devotions with them. And we do all sorts of wonderful things with our kids in order to help them and encourage them to grow in the faith. But then we'd have our time where every night, whatever, we will pray together, which probably many of you do here with your spouse, what have you, and we've always challenged each other in the faith. We're always really talking about Christ, you know, in our personal lives and what's going on. 
My point with all of this is we are growing together in our faith because we are growing individually in our faith. See, it's, it's an individ- it starts with us, doesn't it? It starts with you being born again. Once you're born again, then God branches you out and builds your faith. Amen? I had a debate one time. Not, well, not a debate. Let's say an interesting discussion with another pastor. He said, well, it's all about the corporate first. I said, oh, no, no, no. I said, it's all about you coming to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It starts with the heart. Then it moves from there, from the heart out. And that's really true. So this morning, I want just to share very briefly, look at some rules that apply in our efforts for growing in spiritual maturity. And the first one is our daily work. Now, we're going to be looking at Colossians 3, 22 through 24. Paul, uh, Paul said, Servants or slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men since you know that you will receive what? An inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Paul reminds us in verse 22 that we should work with sincerity of heart and reverence for what? For the Jesus Christ. By working hard, whether or not the boss is watching. That's it. You know, sometimes, you know, people will work to say, well, okay, I'm going to work hard if the boss is somebody significant is watching. But no, God says, no, you work hard no matter where you are, what you are doing. You work hard because God is watching. God is watching us. God is watching us today. I believe that very, very strongly. You know, again, having older kids and some of you have, have older children, what are the first things we teach our children when they are growing up, say they're 14, 15, they get the first job? We usually sit down and give them the big lecture, right? About responsibility, about you're working for someone, and you do this. And we always put in there, now you work hard. You know, don't fool around. Don't fool around. You put in the effort. Those are good things, right? We should do that. However, we also need to understand that we're not perfect. There's sometimes we don't put in the effort. And that's all of us can be included in that conversation. Sometimes, you know, we don't measure up. Downer, huh? Okay, number two. It's going to get better. Yeah, oh, good. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm trying to give my effort. I'm really putting it in here. Effort is a lifestyle. Colossians 3.23. Here's one of these phrases. Whatever you do, work at it. Whatever you do, work at it. It's putting in the work. Friends, effort should be a part of our spiritual DNA. This includes everything that we do. Not just in the church, but in our jobs. Everything that we do, we are called to give it our 110%. Amen? If you're a student, okay, you students, then you give it your best shot. You know, you know, if you're a teacher, you give it your best shot. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You, you do. If you're a worship leader, hey, Becca, you give it your best shot. 
Because God expects that from us, doesn't he? He expects that. Number three, you think there's five points. You're probably thinking right now, oh, good. Since this isn't really going anywhere today, this is going to be over really fast. But hang on, because we can make this thing really expand. Number three, and this is really what I want to talk about and, and get in detail. Put your heart into it. Verse 23, again, another phrase, with all your heart. Heart means giving it your all. Giving it everything. Giving it your all. How many remember a missionary called, his name was Jim Elliott? Ever heard of him? There we go. Jim Elliott. Okay, we're going to talk a little about Jim Elliott because it's a profound story. Jim Elliott was a uh, missionary in the 50s. And uh, he went to, uh, he was called to minister to a tribe in Ecuador. And this tribe was considered the most violent in the world. I mean, you went in, you didn't come out. They were, they were that, because they were very, understanding is, they're very, very defensive of the Amazon Valley, of their territory. So they did not want strangers in there. But Jim Elliott and his crew, they really felt called to evangelize in Ecuador with his tribe. And they did, they did the right things. Elliot took, uh, took the language, learned the language, and he learned the language. Then they decided what they're going to do right before they tried to even enter the settlement. They would uh, drop gifts from an airplane in the villages. And they said after a few days, the people started to respond when they dropped the gifts. So they were very encouraged by their reaction. So their next step was they decided to, to set up a camp near the settlement. And they did. And according to one story I heard, that uh, when they set up the camp, there was a small group of these tribes people came to them, and I guess Elliot saw them, and he was trying to welcome them. You know, have some food with us. So they had food together, but that was just a little bit of a, of, a, of a situation. And then they were so excited. One of the missionaries was so excited that uh, he, uh, I don't know, he didn't call his wife. He wrote her a letter where he said, we're so excited because now our next step is we're going to both do a face-to-face with a settlement. They did. And they were killed. Just like that. They killed all five of them. And I'm going to read a quote from Jim Elliott. This is so profound for me. It said, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. See the point? He risked the all for proclaiming salvation. We cannot lose our salvation. We can lose our lives. We can't lose our salvation. Amen? So, I want to look at, very briefly, three biblical conditions of the heart. And I think this is where we are today. I'm not saying four, I'm saying I see three. You might see more, but since I'm up here, I say three. So, we're going to do we're going to three, uh, three conditions. And the first one, we're going to look at Matthew 24, verse 12. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. If you look at the context of this scripture, 
we're talking about moving in to the end time era. And as we see approaching the end of the era, and we can all speculate about, about that, we see a great falling away. Hearts will be cooled for the love of God and for each other. Is that happening today? I'm just saying, is that happening today? I say yes. In a lot of ways, churches are in decline. I've said that many times. It is true. It is true. Just get on your computer, whatever you do, look up the the churches, and you'll find what I'm saying is absolutely true. And even more so now, with the online or whatever, more and more people are watching their worship services online. You can get your coffee, you can get your coffee cake, you can whatever in your robe, your slippers, you can watch you, you, you can watch your, you know, your service. Yes, there's nothing wrong with that up to a certain point. But that's what Satan wants. He doesn't want people back in the church. He does not want people coming to church. He does not want Christians to build relationships. He does not want that. He, he wants you to be independent, not growing in your faith. Okay? So, so we need to understand how how this is really fitting in. I think because of that, more and more people are cold toward God. They're more anti-God than ever before. And so we see this happening. That's what we call the cold heart. We don't need God. God's out there maybe somewhere. Maybe, maybe not. And how about the second one, Revelation 360? One that's very familiar to us is the, is the Laodicean church. So because you, you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. The hearts of this church are lukewarm because it has been exposed to the, to the truths of the Bible, to the promises of God, but have fallen away from the word of God. And are we seeing that today? We are seeing a massive falling away from the word of God. I'm not here just to bash churches. I'm saying, in general, that's the, that's the case. We're in what I call the apostic church era, where people are, they look at the word of God, and they do not look at the word the way you look at it. Many, many, many congregations do not look at the word as the inspired word of God. They look at the word differently. They interpret the word through their culture. That's how we do it. What's that, existentialism? That we should say in philosophy or whatever, it's, you know, you'd have your events that's going on in your world, you have the Bible at the same time, but you really interpret it through, through the culture of the world. What they're saying is, God isn't relevant today. The God of the Bible that you read is not relevant. It's old-fashioned and needs to be updated. That's where we're at. And Isaiah, if you look at Isaiah 29, 11, warns us, he said, the Lord said to me, Come, they come to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. Their worship of me is made up of rules taught by men. That's where we're at today in so many churches and so many uh, religious, what do you want to call them, church situations. It's all about ritual. It's hypocrisy. It's feel good, you know, or... You know, as long as I feel comfortable, we'll do it. It has nothing to do with really seeking a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That sounds harsh, doesn't it? 
hey, I'm giving it to you direct. It's out there. It's out there and more and more and more and more. People ask me, when I see new people coming to church or whatever, one of the things I'll say to them, because I know that they're searching for their church, and I'll say to them, whatever you do in your search, find a church that is preaching the word of God in word and deed. It's not enough in my world Just say, well, they talk about Jesus. Are they living Jesus? Word and deed, that's important. And if you don't find that, I told that to my kids when they were growing up and moving away from, you know, us and what have you. And I was preaching the choir to them, but I want to remind them, guys, you got to find a church that's in the Word of God. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, Dad. Then you need to find that church and be in that church. If not, you run and you run, and you run, and you run, and you don't look back. Young people, when you go to college or whatever, when you seek your church, make sure it's Christ-centered. If not, get out. Don't waste your time. Just run. Amen? Now we're going to come to us. Number three. Luke twenty-four thirty-two. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked, while you talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? What do we have here? Two disciples talked with Jesus on that Emmaus road. And they said their hearts burned within as Jesus opened the scriptures to them. The scriptures bind us. They grew, their hearts were burning because Jesus was revealing the word of God to them. And that that's kind of helped them grow and brought them together. Jesus opened up the truth to them. The Holy Spirit does the same thing for us today. We have the Spirit of God living in us because the Spirit opens the scriptures to us, to our hearts, our minds, convicts us, encourages us, empowers us. Amen? So we have... We have Three hearts. We have the cold heart. We have the warm heart, lukewarm heart. And we have the heart that's on fire. Is there any other heart? That pretty much covers it, doesn't it? So which one describes us? Which one describes you individually? I hope it's the third one. Amen? Amen. Okay, it is going to get better. Number four, looking forward. Colossians 3.23. As working for the Lord and not for men. I kid when I say that, but let me say, let me just say this. You know, there's so many nuggets in the word of God. We just, one word, one phrase can make all the difference in a person's life. Amen? And so I'm going to read that one again as working for the Lord and not for men. If we put Christ first in all we do, whether it be the job, the student, doctor, lawyer, teacher, whatever it is, listen, God promises to honor us because serving Jesus gives him pleasure. Excuse me. Serving Jesus Christ gives God pleasure. Michelangelo, what a guy. Some called him the absolute perfectionist. 
He probably absolutely was what he did. Well, one day, uh, Michelangelo was, what he was doing, he was, he was painting a remote corner of the Sistine Chapel when one of his, one of his helpers asked him the question. He said, why are you spending so much attention on a, 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 a part of this ceiling that no one will ever see. Why would you do that? And Angela's response was, well, God sees. Now, this is for us. No matter what we do in life, God sees. He sees Sue back there on the sound. God sees. Grace, he sees on the sound. God sees. He sees what's going on with you right now, where you're sitting right now. He sees what you're doing. If you think for one second that's not true, then I've never then I say to you, you're wrong. According to the word of God, God sees everything that you do and what I do. He's watching us right now. He's watching me. And for me, part of the beauty of the faith is sometimes I'm doing things or whatever that I shouldn't be doing. Has that ever happened to you? when maybe you're doing something and you feel maybe a little bit of guilt? Perhaps it's the Holy Spirit that is just convicting you. But here's the beauty of it all. Even when we are blowing it, God forgives us. God is gracious. He forgives us. He's loving and kind. And I tell you, that's my bailout because I do things that I shouldn't be doing. And God sees that. But I'm not perfect. Neither are you. I can always turn to my Lord as for forgiveness as you can do the same thing. Amen? Amen. So how does that make you feel? It makes me feel great knowing that, you know what? I want to do what God wants me to do. I do but sometimes I don't do what I should be doing, but I know that Jesus loves me. I can ask for forgiveness and he forgives me and helps me be stronger and to move on. My last thought is the best is yet to come. Colossians 3:24. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Consider this. The same Lord who seeks to supply your daily needs will one day reward you for your faithfulness in serving Him. God is keeping track of our servanthood to Him. I believe that. God knows what we are doing. He knows how we are serving Him. And He will remember. That will be part of your rewards when you get into, your, into heaven to see Him. 
it'll be rewards time for us. God knows. He knows. Okay. Oh, we got plenty of time for this one. All right. This is a quiz for all of you here. How many have heard of Sunny S O N N Y, Sunny West? Did it ring a bell? Anything? Sunny West? Is it? It's right on the tip of my tongue. I think. No. Okay. <laughs> well, they're similar in first name, I guess we can say that. <clears throat> but but down the same lines, anyway. Uh, Sunny West was Elvis Presley's longtime bodyguard and close friend. In fact, they were so close that some had said that he, really Sonny was Elvis' closest friend. Uh, Elvis stood up at his wedding, etc., etc. When Elvis Presley died, Sonny West, he kind of struggled through his life. But then when he became ill, things really started to overwhelm him financially. His health just took his money and all what he had, his assets, and was draining him. So, in order to provide security for his family, financial security, he sold all the Elvis memorabilia that Elvis ever gave him, including all the jewelry. Now, we're talking about years and years and years, and Elvis Presley, for, what, for better or for worse, he is a very generous man. We all know that. And so his jewelry, weren't, they weren't trinkets. They were the real deal. But it was during that dark time that all the glitter, all the glamour faded away for Sonny West. It faded away. Consider this. He spent years and years serving the king of rock and roll. Arguably, Elvis Presley is the man. Rock and roll-wise, I'm talking about, okay? He's not the king. He's the man, rock and roll. He's the one that we look at. But for Sonny West, his lavish lifestyle stopped when the music died. My point. You have heroes. You have people you look up to. That's great. You know, I have no problem with that. People that we admire, we think, wow, there's a godly person. And so we we see how they model the faith, and we say, that's good. I want to model that as well. That's wonderful. Up to a certain point. We're not to put all of our faith into one person. You know why? Because everyone, if you were human beings, I tell people, don't put your faith in me. Because sooner or later, somewhere along the line, I'm going to let you down. I'm not the one. You put your faith in your Jesus. Jesus will never, ever let you down. I will let you down. Ron, I love you, brother. But I've put my faith in you. You're going to let me down. Because we're human beings. It is what it is. Remember? Remember when the religious leaders approached Jesus about the greatest commandment? 
they, what they're trying to do, they were trying to really trick him, trick, trick our Lord. And I want to read from, in closing, Matthew 22, uh, verses 37 and 38. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Words from the lips of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We know that's true. Therefore, why not give it our best shot by loving Him with all our hearts, minds, and souls in our daily work. Let our daily work reflect our love for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in our lifestyle, in our hearts, in seeking Him in all that we do, knowing that the best is yet to come. So friends, our inheritance awaits us, and this should motivate us to make a sincere effort in serving our King. Let's give it our best shot. We won't be disappointed now or later. Give it your best shot. And I know that you're trying, and praise God for that. I keep encouraging you, give it your best shot. Hang in there. No matter what, hang in there with Christ because He will make everything turn out okay. But wait, better than okay. He makes things turn out great. God does not want us to feel good. He wants us to feel great. Man, we should be dancing in the aisles. We should be dancing in the aisles for we have such a loving and wonderful and powerful God Almighty. I can't believe it, Rudy. I can't believe, I can't believe that God would love somebody as bad as I am. And yet he loves me warts and all. And he loves you warts and all. You're his prize. You're his number one. How does it make you feel? It beats watching a bear game on a Sunday afternoon. Lord, we praise you and we thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you are number one. And I thank you, Lord, that you love us so much. Oh, God, help us to rededicate ourselves to you and our work, our jobs, how we live our life each and every day, that you just write our hearts if they're wrong, Lord. You write them, Lord, for your glory. And Jesus, help us through all of this just to look to you for everything, knowing, knowing that the best is yet to come. Wow, we can't lose. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.